We're thinking about uh, remembrance this morning and the scripture that Debbie mentioned, the one that's written on the front of there, this doing remembrance of me. That's what we're thinking about, is really remembering what Christ has done for us um, through his death and his resurrection. Just want to read to you um, from Luke 22, and it's verse 19. And he took bread, gave thanks and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And that's really where that scripture that's carved onto the front of there is taken from. And I think that that's um, such a great scripture to remember and to memorize. It's not difficult, I don't think, but it should help us remember what Christ has done for us. And I think the reason why uh, we're told to remember is because we're so good at forgetting and we can just forget what Christ has done for us, even though it's really unbelievable and beyond maybe our understanding it's just there to help us and to help us remember what Christ has done for us. These same words are repeated in 1 Corinthians 11, 24 and 25. And when you're given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. And I think if those words are repeated twice, we've got, them also, we've got them in Luke, we've got them in Corinthians. God's trying to point something out to us. This is important. This is that we remember, and we do remember these things. So please take this away, and when I've spoken, remember what Christ has done for us. Don't allow those thoughts to just drift out of your mind uh, when we walk away from here. Um, as we were saying earlier in the quiz, the whole, it was the, um, what we're going to be celebrating here was based in the, the Last Supper and that was taken from the Passover meal, which is going back into Exodus and particularly Exodus uh, chapter 12. And Jesus, uh, God says in that passage there, he says this to them, if I can find it, this is a day you are to commemorate for, uh, or remember for the generations to come. You shall celebrate it as a festival to the Lord a lasting ordinance. And that's something that God was telling the nation of, of Israel to do, was to remember that time of Passover. And the Passover is when God instructed them to actually kill a lamb and then actually sprinkle the blood on the doors and on their lintels so that when the angel of death passed over, he would not kill the firstborn. He would not kill the firstborn of the Israelites or the firstborn of their animals. And so they were told then to celebrate that and to celebrate that and to remember it. And that's something that they've done for something like over 3,000 years. They've continued to remember that time of Passover because it's important for them to remember that. And can you just put that picture up, please, Andrew? Uh, next week, uh, you'll probably be aware that it's uh, Remembrance Sunday, and that's a time when we remember um, those that have died and those that sacrificed so much during the First World War, the Second World War, and also in conflicts that have happened since then. And it's there, it's Remembrance Sunday, and the words are, lest we forget. And that again is similar for us, lest we forget what Christ has done for us. So it's just a reminder again, lest we forget what Christ has done for us. So that's just a quick reminder up there. So you can take that back down, Andrew, thank you. Um, there's just three points that I want to make. I'm not gonna talk for hours, 
There's actually loads that you could say on this, but I've picked three points. And there's probably others that you might think of, well, you forgot about that one and you should have said this, that and the other. Well, remember those, if those things are important to you. Remember those yourself. So I've just picked three points that I want to just uh, bring out um, about what Christ has done for us. And the first one is Jesus went to the cross voluntarily. And he went there because he loves us. And as you'll know, Jesus was the son of cross, uh, son of cross, the son of God when he died. And obviously he's still the son of God today. And he's the most powerful person that's ever walked this earth. And we can see this from Matthew 26. And it's, um, fifth, no, sorry, uh, is that right? Um, yes, Matthew 26, and it's verses 53 and 54. And this was just as he was about to be arrested. Do you think I cannot call on my father? And he will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels. But how then would the scriptures be fulfilled that say, it cannot happen in this way? I don't know if you know what a legion of angels is, but it's roughly, um, 12 legions of angels is roughly 60,000 angels. And can you imagine 60,000 angels just descending on that time there? Don't you think that they would have overpowered anybody that was in that room or anybody who was in that place that were trying to arrest Jesus? But Jesus chose not to do. He chose not to call those angels down because he knew that the scripture had to be fulfilled. There was only one thing for Jesus to do and he determined that he was going to do it. And he did it voluntarily. That was his choice. It's something that he chose to do. And let me just... Jesus also, he knew what he was going to face. He wasn't oblivious to what he was going into. And he would have known that through the scriptures and also through crucifixion because it wasn't something that was done in uh, the silence of some place and shut up. It was a public spectacle that people could watch. And so he knew what he was going to face. He knew that he was going to be interrogated. He knew that he was going to be ridiculed and he was going to be spat on. He knew that he would have a crown of thorns stuck on his head. And I think the thorns were something like that long about 50 millimeters, two inches long, and they would be stuck on his head and they would stick into his head. He would be whipped, and it wasn't pleasant being whipped at all. The flesh would be torn from your body, and that was done repeatedly. He was obviously nailed to the cross, and he would have been on the cross, and he would have been hanging there in absolute agony and pain. And he would have been actually naked, so he would have been stood there actually in humility, and being, sorry, not humil in humiliation. He would have been there on the cross. And Jesus knew that this is what he was going to face. But also part of it was that, and it tells us that Jesus actually took our sins on himself. And he was the one and only person that's ever walked this earth that was perfect. So it's hard to imagine what that must have been like for him, to have had that sin on himself. And that caused him to be separated from, from his father, this person that he loved and who was loved by his father. And he had that um, relationship with his father that was absolutely pure love and he said you've got this cry of dereliction on the cross my god my god why have you forsaken me or as the message says why have you abandoned me and the only reason we can say is the reason why jesus went to that cross was because he loved us and he continues to love us each and every one of us god loves us so much that he sent his one and only son to die on that cross for us and Matthew, uh, John 15, 13 says, Greater love has no one than this, than he lays down his life for his friends. And that's what Jesus has done for us. And let's not forget that. Let's not take it for granted. That's what Jesus has done for us. And he went there willingly. 
He didn't have to do it, but he went there willingly, and he chose to do it. So that's, that's my first point. It's very quiet in here. Um, uh, the second point is that through Jesus' death, our sins have been forgiven. And again, that's something that we can just kind of take for granted and forget that that's what he's done for us. And that the slate has been wiped clean. Our debt has been paid. Isaiah 1.18 says, Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. And these are just absolutely wonderful words. And if we can take them to heart and take them into ourselves and really learn and meditate upon them, they're absolutely fantastic. And um, over the last few weeks, uh, it's a great subject, this, I, I've been thinking about sin um, and my own sin. And I've got to be careful. I'm not looking at anybody to like, um, identify anybody. And it's really been for myself because of um, changes in circumstances and things like that in my life. And I've really not wanted to, to get to a stage where um, I, I'm going to end up in a sinful situation or something like that. And so just changes in circumstances that happened in my life. And so it's caused me to think about these things. Um, and sin is so devious. It doesn't come through the front door knocking and telling you I'm here. It comes in through the back door. It sneaks in. And it's just like um, the snake in the Garden of Eden. You know, did God really say that? Is that what he really meant? It's incredibly devious, is sin. And it can lead us into the wrong areas and the wrong avenues. And you might find yourself, you know, in some ways, you start maybe being critical about people and thinking negative things about people. And that can lead on to maybe, maybe gossip and gossiping about people. It can lead on to all sorts of other things. You might find that you've, um, you start to be filled with pride and humility starts to diminish within you. There's all sorts of different ways that sin can affect us and different ways that sin can infiltrate into our lives. And like I said, it's insidious. It doesn't come in through the front door. It can sneak in through lots of different ways. And so I'm just so, 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 so glad, happy, rejoicing that it's not through my righteousness that I end up and I can have relationship with God. It's through Jesus' death and resurrection. And it's not based on me. It's based on God. It's based on Jesus. And I'm just so thankful for that. Just so thankful that's what he's done. But I can forget it. I can forget that. And so that's what, again, he's telling us here. Remember these things. Remember this. Remember that Jesus Christ died for you. And it's not dependent upon yourself. Fortunately, it's not dependent upon you. And <clears throat> there was another scripture I wanted to share. Yes, John 8, uh, 36. So if the sun sets you free... You shall be free indeed. Isn't that just a wonderful scripture? If the sun shall set you free, you shall be free indeed. And meditate on that. And don't allow sin to come in to creep in at you. Maintain your freedom in Christ. Because that's why he died for you. So that you can be free. And then my third point. We have eternal life. All three points are just really quite mind-blowing. This is the third one. We have eternal life. And this is through Jesus' death. And resurrection we can every one of us we can experience eternal life so that basically means that when you die 
that isn't the end of it. It continues on into another life. And I don't care... Um, let me just have a quick drink. I, I don't care what you've experienced here, how much maybe you felt blessed, what wonderful experiences you've had, <clears throat> what ecstatic experiences you've had, maybe the most beautiful scenes you've seen. They will pale into insignificance compared to what you will experience in heaven. That's what the Bible tells us, and that's what we should expect. They will pale into insignificance compared to what we will experience in heaven. And I just want to um, take you through Revelation chapter 7. Can you use your imaginations? Can you do that for me? You might want to close your eyes or just stare at a blank canvas. Um, just for a few moments, I want to try and use your imaginations to see if we can just get a glimpse of maybe, just maybe, what heaven might be like. So if you can imagine, there's a throne, and it's in the middle of an enormous expanse. And on that throne is God. And God is there in his beauty, in his magnificence, in his power. And he's there, and he's just present. And you can see him, you can watch him, you can visualize him. God is there in all his magnificence and his beauty. And sat on his right-hand side is Jesus the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And he sat there on the right-hand side because his work is finished. It's done. It's achieved. It's accomplished. It's been finished once and for all. And he sat there. And in front of this throne, as far as you can see to the left and to the right and behind you is a crowd. And they're all dressed in white. They're dressed in white robes, each and every one of them. And they're from every tongue, every tribe, every nation, every people group. No one has been left out. It's inclusive. They're all there. And they're singing praises and worship and they're glorifying God. And you're just caught up into this fantastic time of worship and praise. And then between that crowd of, of people dressed in white and the throne, the angels. And they're saying amen because they agree with what's just being sung and what's being said and the praise and worship. They're caught up in it, are the angels. And they're saying, praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. And you're just part of that. You're part of that worshiping group. Now, I don't actually know if heaven will be like that. I don't know if we'll be part of that crowd of people that are dressed in white. I don't know if this is just language that John was using to try and explain what it's going to be like. But whatever heaven is like, it's going to be absolutely unbelievable. And beyond anything you can actually imagine or understand here, it is just going to be wonderful. And it won't have an end. It'll keep going on and on and on. It's just going to be absolutely wonderful and magnificent. And I haven't got words to describe it for you. My words just cannot describe it. So... Dwell on those things. Remember, it's through Jesus Christ and his death and his resurrection that we have eternal life. And almost in some ways, the things that I've shared there are almost too good to comprehend. But we need to remember those things and we need to dwell upon them and meditate upon them. And in, the, oops, um, in Colossians 3, verses 1 and 2, it says... Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is, 
seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. And that's just a great scripture to, to meditate and to think about. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Set your heart on things above, not on earthly things. So let's just remember those things that, that God has done for us through Jesus Christ. Jesus went to the cross voluntarily because he loved us so much. Through Jesus' death, our sins are forgiven and that we can know that forgiveness. It's not dependent upon us. And through Jesus' death and resurrection, we have eternal life. So remember those things and dwell upon them.